I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome in to another episode of the allegedly award nominated outside the box podcast it's episode number 206 of otb kb and dj coming at you from underground studios we got a lot to dive into on this episode here as we record this on thursday night uh we're gonna recap the very brief nll week eight that we had with the three games that went down uh, we'll get into DJ's state of the fandom. We'll get into our week nine picks as we have the most games happening in a NLL weekend in quite some time. Uh, and then we'll dive into some of these PLL transactions, some retirements, some alleged trades from uh, the one and only Kevin Brown that came out earlier this week. Uh, and we'll get into one of the biggest controversies We've seen off the field since, uh, I don't know, Fingergate, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all of it here on this episode. Uh, but before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who make this bad boy happen. The homies over at Tomahawk Shades, owned by Kyle Harrison, Chris Hogan, two former lacrosse players, obviously two legends of the game. Uh, DJ, I don't know if you saw, but Tomahawk Snow is live. On the website, the snow slash ski goggles are there. Quote from Chris Hogan, I can't believe we're selling these for less than $150. And the crazier part is when you go to TomahawkShades.com and you go to check out and you have the ski goggles in your cart and you use our code USP for anything on the website. Uh, but I did the math. If you're just buying the ski goggles, one, you get free shipping because the order's over $75. And with our promo code getting 25% off, the ski you're getting the ski goggles for $108.75. That's a steal and a half when it comes to goggles. I can't wait for Dom to be wearing them everywhere he goes. Uh, Dom's a big ski guy. I can't wait. He's going to be wearing them in class when he's teaching his students. I can't wait. Uh, so go to TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off at checkout. Stateside Vodka, the Urban Craft Vodka. Go to StatesideVodka.com, get the Surfside Ice Teas statesidevodka.com you gotta be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly and the boys over at kenwood beer go to kenwood beer and use the kenny kenwoodbeer.com use the kenny tracker to see who has kenwood on tap in the philadelphia area you must be 21 or older to do so and please drink responsibly and we are working on getting the promo code situation figured out but linked in the description 
of every podcast is our affiliate link, which we would appreciate if you guys used and, and placed some orders and everything over at Bino Boards. Really helps out the show. And uh, once we have a promo code, you'll know about it. But go to Bino Board, linked in the description of every podcast, uh, and use that affiliate link to help support the show. The hell's going on, DJ? How are you, brother? I am doing great, bro. It's been a long day, working all day. But the best part of every Thursday is talking about the crowd. Big facts. And uh, for the people at home, be sure to follow us on the social medias at OTB Laxpod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow DJ at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed to help support the show. And uh, follow the main network page at Underground PHI because by the time you guys are listening to this, big announcement coming out on the old Twitter machine uh, with some big news. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we got some big things popping off. But DJ, let's get into it. Let's get into the mud of this week in lacrosse. It's our NLL Week 8 recap that kicked off last Friday with the Georgia Swarm and Rochester Nighthawks. And man, the Nighthawks let us down. We both picked the Nighthawks in our picks. I thought they were going to surge back. They had a nice little comeback going on. I I thought it was going to happen, but Lyle Thompson and the boys just too much early on as they had a 5-1 lead after that first quarter. And then everything else was even across the board. That was the big difference was that first quarter start for Georgia. Uh, and they go on to win 12-8 to as uh, Lyle Thompson led the way with six points for the Georgia Swarm. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where it just, it just wasn't our our day with the Georgia Swarm or with the, uh, with the Rochester Nighthawks, but the Georgia Swarm get a big-time win that was very much needed for them uh, in the grand scheme of this season. And we said it on the show, too. You needed Brendan Bomberry to step up with Shane Jackson out in this game. And that was a big reason you and I both picked Rochester is that Shane Jackson was out for the first time in his career. Um, But they had big contributions. Your boy, Travis Longboat, first goal. Uh, Bubba Voigt had his first goal uh, of his career and then subsequently released by the Swarm. Uh, (laughs) Unbelievable. A lot lot of first-timers in this game. TJ McCoy. Uh, Camizio first goal of his career as well uh, but I mean overall it was it was just too much of a, a big time start for Georgia for Rochester to overcome um, but I mean you can't be mad about it too much Georgia's a very good team they have the arguably the best player on the planet with Lyle Thompson uh, on their roster who's just able to do it all and uh, Georgia improves to, I believe, two and three on the season. Yes, two and three on the season. The Nighthawks fall to two and three um, and fall behind Georgia in the standings. But what what's your biggest takeaway from this game? Because for me, it's just, you know, Georgia was able to finally get off to a fast start and not, you know, only put up two, three goals in the first quarter. They were able to start quick and then just kind of pace themselves throughout the rest of the game where Rochester is the type of team that, and we'll get into the next game they had, if they don't get off to that fast start, it's it's tough going for them for the rest of the game because they're playing catch-up. Yeah, I mean, that's just been the tail off season with pretty much every game. If you get behind in that first quarter, tough luck to you. Like, you know, that team's got all the momentum and they seem to ride it. 
a lot of teams do fight and get back in, but they just don't have enough to come out with the win. So that was kind of my main thing was looking at teams now moving forward is how have they been playing recently in those first, you know, that first quarter and a half, how are they playing then rather than how are they finishing games? Because that is really the time that's determining who's winning. And also I didn't get a chance because I was busy during this game. So I didn't get a chance to do my weekly number four is really good. Obviously, Lyle Thompson is still really good at lacrosse, and that was well. Always That's the reason he only away. had one goal. He only had one goal because you didn't get your tweet off. <sighs> Sorry, Lyle. I'll I'll make sure I'm tuned in this week and I'm tweeting out. I got you. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully not tweeting too much because uh, the Georgia Swarm play a certain team on my hat right now, and we need a win from the boys. <laughs> I th- I think the boys can take care of it this week. Plus, I mean, you've also eliminated the Georgia Swarm from your fandom a couple of weeks ago, so. Yeah, but I can't not cheer for Lyle. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's always going to be a thing. For sure. And, you know, we're just both on the same page there with that game. And uh, let's move to the next uh, matchup from this past weekend. First game of my doubleheader weekend uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. Insane goal-scoring output uh, as the Philadelphia Wings go on an absolute tear in the second half and outscore the Rochester Nighthawks 13-3 to in the second half uh, and go on to win 18-10. to Just a... It, it's always fun when the Philadelphia Wings and Rochester Nighthawks meet at the Wells Fargo Center. There were fights. There was goal-scoring. It was just a beautiful scene. It was it was lovely to watch. The Wings tie the uh, single game most goals scored this season in the NLL with the Colorado Mammoth that happened a couple weeks ago against the Vancouver Warriors. Um, I really thought they were going to break the, the record and score 19 in this one the way that they were going. But, uh, I mean, running down the list for the Wings in this game, Matt Rambo had five points. Eric Schul had one point. Alex Krepensek had a point. Trevor Baptiste had two points because he scored twice. Uh, Blaze had two goals. Brett Hickey had four points. Corey Small had four points. Um, there were only, in terms of guys who played not named, you know, Zach Higgins, um, Steph Charbonneau, Alex Pace, and John Rannigan were the only guys in this game for the Wings who did not record a point. Wow, that's actually kind of crazy. Everyone else recorded at least one point in this game, and uh, Kevin Crowley led the way with two goals, seven assists from the Big Cat. And if I'm not mistaken, he is uh, currently leading the league in points, which I love to see. Yeah, he currently leads the league in points uh, with 39, and uh, the next closest are Lyle Thompson and Matt Rambo, both with 32, uh, Corey Small with 30, and Dane Doby with 28. So three Philadelphia Wings in the top five in points in the league. Obviously, the Wings have also played the most games uh, of any team this year. They've played all seven games through the eight weeks of the season. They had that one bye week during uh, you know Christmas week and everything. So they're the only team in the league that's played all of their games. Um so it makes sense that they're obviously leading the league in points 
with a bunch of guys at the top. Uh, Zach Higgins leading the league in saves with 223. He's got three wins on the year as well. Um, I mean, it's just uh, and very fun stat here, save percentage-wise. Can you guess uh, <laughs> number two in the league? It's not Zach Higgins, but it's Eric Penny from his phenomenal performance against the Georgia Swarm in relief of Zach Higgins. So the wings are all over the stat leaderboard uh, in the league, but you went back and watched this game, and one of your season wishes came true, seeing Isaiah Davis Allen get into a fight and land an absolute nuclear punch. Uh, But what were your biggest takeaways from this one? Because I'm sure watching it, and I didn't give you any updates on this game. I was like, I'll let him wait and see because uh, you weren't able to watch it live. But watching that first half and seeing like how like slow things were for the Wings and Rochester just being able to you know kind of pace themselves and, and find the back of the net. And then at halftime, like, they found like Mike's secret stuff from Space Jam and just went on an absolute tear. What were you thinking when you saw the Wings just absolutely dominate in that second half? Um, it, it, I mean, I've seen it happen before, you know, I've been a part of it before. It's fun to be a part of, um, but now I'm wondering, cause I've been, like I said, I've been a part of it before multiple times actually. And it, it happens one of two ways. Either everybody goes into the locker room and no one says a word, including the coaches. You all just sit there for the whole halftime in complete silence. And then you walk back out. Or your coach comes in and just lays it to you all and tells you that you all should never play again. And then you go out and do what you have to do. So I'm just, I kind of want to, I really wish I could be a fly on the wall for that conversation. But I mean, I just, I was excited, honestly, when they came back out and it kind of, they had that fire and their offense was just clicking. And when they're clicking, they're up there with Buffalo and San Diego as, top three offenses to watch as far as excitement. Like just watching them move the ball around, get shots off, you know, get second and third shot opportunities and the moves they make, the passes they make, the shots they take, it's all just poetic. I love it. The uh the one thing I took away from the press conference that Paul Day brought up after the game, he said that the uh going into the the third quarter Ben McIntosh was, like, drawing up plays, and he drew up that power play goal that Corey Vitarelli scored from that corner. That was a Ben McIntosh-designed play in the locker room. So I don't even know if the message at halftime was either of the two scenarios you brought up because they've got players drawing up plays and kind of being, like, extensions of the coaching. And that's not the first time either that Paul Day has said that like Ben McIntosh has almost been like an extension of the coaching staff on the floor for the wings, which like almost makes that trade for Ben to the wings, like that much more invaluable because he's that smart out on the floor and able to kind of like calculate so many different things in such a quick amount of time. Uh, The only disappointment I had from this game is that Trevor didn't hit the mop when he scored either of his goals. (laughs) I was like, damn, I wanted to see an NLL mop celly. Uh, but Trevor scoring two goals. Like, if Trevor's scoring, the Wings are winning. 
Like, that's how you know, like, the vibes are good. They're letting Trevor just run the floor and get an opportunity to score. Um, I just, I love this, like, mini rivalry, kind of, that has brewed over the last two years now with Rochester and Philly. Um, and, I mean, it's not really a rivalry until both teams win multiple games. That is one of my golden rules in any sport. Um, but, I mean, this is... This is you can classify this as a rivalry. Like they they go blow for blow, punch for punch with each other, literally, and they they seem to have a nice little hatred for each other. And it definitely stems from friend of the program Sean Evans, who might be one of the biggest villains in Philadelphia sports history. Like he gets into it with the fans. He's talking shit with fans. It's wild. Like he wants all the smoke. And it's kind of funny to watch. Like, he'll go to the penalty box, and, like, he's jawing and chirping at fans in the stands. And they're going right back at him, obviously. But Sean Evans might be one of the most hated humans in Philadelphia. That's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> one, if, if a guy like Sean Evans came into my town and scored a couple goals and beat up on me, I mean, I'd hate him, too. So. <laughs> I guess I understand where Philly's coming from. And then but, he gets uh, a penalty, and he walks in the box, thinking he's – He's big and bad, and he's screaming at me. Like, dog, you're a professional athlete screaming at me, an average Joe who paid to come see you. Are you okay? I also don't know if you can hear it on the broadcast at home. I'm going to have to check at some point. I don't know if you can hear it, but whenever there's a penalty against an opposing player in Philadelphia, the fans yell. Because on the, on the big screen, it'll say, get in the box. But every fan in unison yells, Get in the box, bitch. And I need that to be my text tone. Like, whenever anybody texts me, I need it to just be the Philadelphia Wings fans in unison at the Wells Fargo Center. Get in the box, bitch. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I was up in the in the press box this week, and I was like, ah, oh, there it is. Hook it to my veins. Let's go. Get in the box, bitch is one of the most hilarious things uh, being a Philly sports fan that I have heard. In my lifetime. Uh, but the Wings win this one 18-10. Just a dominant performance. Very fun. A lot of records broken and career milestones reached this weekend for the Wings across the board. So shouts to the boys uh, for doing their thing. Uh, and then Sunday, it just was not their day against the Riptide. Uh, they lose 13-12. to And this is what I got to do, DJ. I got to take, take my hat off, tip my cap to newest follower of the pod as well, Connor Kiernan. Uh, he did his thing. He was the difference in this game. Honestly, he had himself a career day. Uh, if This is one of those games where we've had a couple of these this year across the board with different teams. If you looked at the team stats with no context of what the score was, you would say the Wings won this game because here's, here's the team stats chart. Shots on goal, Wings 68. Riptide 55. Shots were fucking flying in this game. Uh, Faceoffs. Trevor won 21 out of 29. Power play opportunities, which quite honestly was the difference in this game. Uh, Riptide went 4 for 5 on the power play. The Wings went 5 for 7. Which, I mean, if you go 5 for 7 on the power play as well, you should win that game. Uh, and then penalty minutes. The Wings had less penalty minutes. 14 to 18. You look at that without the box score, I feel like 9 out of 10 people say the Wings win this game.
Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Right. I mean, like with zero context of what the score was, you just look at those stats. That's like any lacrosse fan would be like, yeah, the Wings won. Like they had more shots on goal. Trevor Baptiste dominated faceoffs. Power play opportunities were there. Less penalty minutes. Like that's all, you know, pieces of success in a game. Uh, but overall, the biggest downfall was the Wings just came out flat to start the third quarter which is rare because typically it's the it's been the opposite for them this year where they start slow and then they pick it up in their second-half team. They scored four goals in the first quarter, four in the second, and then four in the second half uh, with one of their goals in the second half coming in the third quarter. And ultimately the winning goal from Connor Kiernan, he had himself, like I said, a career day. He had four goals in this game. Um, I mean... I'll say this too, watching it all go down and, and seeing him finally in this offense, because this is the first time I've seen Jeff Teat play the box game in person. He's such a game changer. Like you got everybody at home thinks he's filthy in the field game, which he obviously is. But my goodness, Jeff Teat's ability to move the ball in the box game as as just a spreading the offense type of guy. He had six assists in this game. Like, he wasn't worried about scoring. He let Connor Kiernan do his thing. And you and I talked about this, too. We said Tyson Gibson needs to step up and be, like, the third guy in this offense. And he had four points in this game. So, I mean, overall, the the biggest takeaway I had from this game, too, from the wing side of things, is I don't understand the shot selection that they had. Like, they had, what, what did I say, 68 shots in this game. Some of the shots that they were taking, especially in the second half, I was, like, baffled by. I was like, why are you guys ripping from so far out when you're playing against... And, like, Orleman's a very good, like, goalie prospect. Like, he's a rookie and everything, but, like, he's a guy that you shouldn't be taking, like, all these bananas outside rips at. Like, he's going to have time to set up and see those more so than if you're crashing the net, you know, having, like, those dunk-style type of goals, crease-dive type of goals... I was shocked that in the second half that the Wings weren't crashing the goal more than what they should have been to kind of just like throw off Orleman's timing to then allow you to hit those outside shots and kind of rattle him a bit by getting in his face and, you know, getting him off his timing. I just didn't understand that approach from the Wings offense. It was very weird to me. I just don't think they had the energy to really go out. I agree with that, too. I feel like their energy, like, dissipated as the game went on, and that's to be expected when you play two games in less than 24 hours. Especially a rough one against a team like Rochester, who just plays hard, you know. 
Um, but no, like my only takeaway really was Riptide made me look smart. <laughs> so thank you. I knew they would do it eventually. Hey, like, all I'm I, saying, like, we said this before we started recording. I've been in attendance for both Riptide franchise wins, so they're welcome. Like I said, have they won without you? I don't think so. So maybe you should hey. go to more games. New York Riptide, you're welcome. Uh, also, circling back real quick to the the Wings Rochester game. <laughs> what the fuck was Paul Dawson doing to John Rannigan? <laughs> I was gonna bring that up. Oh my god, I I, I don't know. He was angry and it was like the last like minute and like ten seconds. Decided to four check. <laughs> there was like ten of them in a minute. Yeah, time span. And I was like, I was like, Paul, what did John say to you during the game? Like, John's one of the nicest humans I've ever met. Like he definitely did not say anything. Paul just was definitely salty that the Rochester Nighthawks were losing that game to the Wings again. Oh, and God. he was just trying to throw John off and like try to get him to drop the gloves because he knew that they had another game. It was trying to fix the standings a bit after Rochester lost two games in a weekend. <laughs> but John Rannigan, come on, the nicest person on the planet. Pick a hothead, <laughs> notorious. For giving the best hugs in the Chrome locker room, and you're trying to pick a fight with him. <laughs> it was just so fun. It was so funny. Not even from the sense that he was just cross checking him the entire time. It was that John just like stood completely still. He did not give a damn that Paul Dawson was just there, just like hitting him constantly. It was like you know what that that video reminded me of. <laughs> it was like the episode of SpongeBob. When uh, Flats is like, oh, I'm going to kick your butt and just starts punching Spongebob all the time. And then he realizes that Spongebob is just super soft and he's absorbing all the punches. Paul Dawson was Flats and John Rannigan was Spongebob. Oh, my God. <laughs> Facts, because he literally just like stood there. He's like, are, are you he done? He just ate them. He was like, are we done here? Like, what are we doing? I just want to go home. I'm sure oh, you do too. That was so funny. That was so funny. Um, but those were the three games this weekend. So DJ goes two and one in his picks. I went one and two. Only the second time this season I went below 500. Uh, we're all tied back up in our standings, which we'll tweet out our picks uh, later on Friday. But looking at the standings overall, DJ, now we have, uh, you know, not too many games played, obviously, this weekend. Uh, but this is what the standings look like after week eight. Buffalo still at the top of the East Division at 4-0. Halifax uh, right behind them at 3-0. And surprisingly, Halifax has a game this weekend. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings, even though they dropped one of their games, they're at 4-3, and still in third place in the East. Uh, Albany sits at 2-2 two two in fourth place. Georgia and Rochester and Toronto all at 2-3. and three. Uh, in that respective order, Georgia, Rochester, Toronto, and then the New York Riptide finally on the board. So every team in the league has a win now. They sit at 1-4, and four, and uh, no teams from the West Division were in action this week, so everything looks the same. It goes Seals, Mammoth, Vancouver, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Panther City. But, DJ, week eight in the books now, and I think it's time for you to talk to the people and give your state of the fandom your search for a favorite NLL team. Obviously, not too many teams playing this week, so not a lot could change, but 
Has anything changed up since the last time we spoke? And you eliminated the Georgia Swarm, obviously. So there are 13 teams still to pick from, including Las Vegas. Um, but after this week with four teams playing, has, uh, has anybody been voted off the island? Uh, nobody's been voted off, but I think Halifax may have the number one spot right now. Uh, their their content team is just fire, honestly. Like they're always on Twitter, you know, doing something. I'm always shout out to the boy them. Austin Owens and Tyson Geik. And it's normally under another team's post, and I just yes. find it so funny that they're never doing their own stuff because they're always under someone else's. My favorite <laughs> meme they've posted this season is the keyboard meme, and uh, the big enter button just says, "Oh, you wild, but keep going though." <laughs> Mine, I, I can't remember exactly what they said under that uh that rush tweet, but that was hilarious because they just like slid in real quick and just dropped that bomb and they got out of there. And I'm like, this is the kind of stuff I like. From it's so funny. So what's the uh, what's the state of the top five now that are you know making a nice name for themselves in turn? It, it's almost like the. The college football playoff. It's like every week we're checking in to see what the standings look like. Oh, this week on the selection. No. Um, Welcome to Selection Sunday. We should do a Selection Sunday when you're ready to pick your team. That would be hilarious. I'm down to do that. We can make a whole live show. Or like you just get like, like, you know, when a high school kid declares like what college he's going to, you just have the hats on the table. Have the top five and be like, uh, not this. No. And you just throw the hats when you're done with them. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, number one is Halifax. Close second is Buffalo. Um, probably. Probably Panther City, three. Wings, four. Riptide, five. Now, did you put Panther City in the top five because they've been pushing P all week? <laughs> One. Yes. <laughs> yes. Their, their pushing P content on Twitter has been fantastic. And, and I liked their tweet earlier this week. Or, no, that was... Was it earlier? Yeah, it was earlier this week. They're like, uh, our graphic designer is out this week. <laughs> that was yesterday. Like, <laughs> Here's this. It's game day. Or like game week or whatever. I was like, yes. Because <laughs> this is me. Because <laughs> what you mean, I got to do his job because he's not here. <laughs> That's his job. I can't do his job. So this is what that's why get. graphic designers are important and everybody needs one. Oh, that's hilarious. And I like the speed they play with. It's it's extremely fast and, and very exciting to watch. And shout out to the boy Patrick Dodds. Yeah, Patrick Dodds has been He's so fantastic. He's, so He's been fantastic. Low-key, probably going to win Rookie of the Year. I think it's going to be between him and T, which is going to be a fun race to, to watch. Uh, but that is DJ. <laughs> that is DJ State of the Fandom. 
Uh, which brings us to a new week of NLL action. It is time for week nine. So we're going to go through these games because there are a lot on the docket. And then we will get into our picks of the week. Um, so, DJ, seven games this Saturday. Seven of them bangs in a three-hour time span of start times. Uh, so the first game kicking off is an old-school North rivalry, Rochester and Toronto at the first Ontario Center in Hamilton. Uh, these two teams, notoriously, nice little rivalry going. The Dawson Brothers Bowl uh, with Paul and Dan. Um, you know, this is, this is going to be a big game for both of these teams because, one, whoever wins gets back to 500. It's another East Division game, and the East Division's been beating up on each other all year long. And quite honestly, this is going to be a huge swing game, in my opinion, for later on in the season for whatever team potentially sneaks in as a wild card for the playoffs. Yeah, no, this is going to be a huge game. Um, I, it's, it's tough to pick this one because... I know what it's like being, you know, in that Rochester locker room. You know, they got over that hump of the first game. They won a second one, but they're still, like, feeling like they don't necessarily have enough. And especially after, you know, the weekend they had this weekend, dropping both, especially the – I mean, both were tough. They were in it in the first one and just didn't have enough. And then the second one, they just blew it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I want to say they're going to come out and – and do it, but then I go over and I look at, you know, the the lineup for Toronto. TD is bound to have a breakout game eventually. Maybe this is it. And then, you know, their offense is stacked. Schreiber should be back. Challenge's been playing Schreiber out of his was, mind. Well, Schreiber was back last, their last game. I thought he was out because he had the baby. Oh, no, he was back because he scored, and I yeah. tweeted dad strength. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, they're pretty much back to full strength. Challen's been playing like MVP level this year. Challen Rogers has been fantastic. I believe we put him on one of our lists, and if we didn't, shame on us. Yeah, we might have put him on transition player of the year. I think it was transition player of the year. Which I mean, he hasn't even really been playing transition. He's been playing fucking attack because he yeah. needed him up top. Exactly, and um, you know. I think we put him down as a favorite to win transition of the year. And really, he should have been dark horse for MVP because it's been bananas to watch what he's been doing with Toronto. He has their offense in a very nice spot. They just haven't been able to put together a complete game as an entire team to, you know, come out with a win. It's been a few lapses on defense in front of, in front of Nick Rosie. Yeah, we put him down as transition player of the year. And my dumbass picked Cody Jamison to win MVP, and he was out for, like, the first X amount of games. But now he's back, and Halifax is the plate, so that might come to fruition. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into all the picks, but I think Toronto's offense is just – I think it has too much firepower in terms of, like, just head-to-head -head action. But, I mean, Rochester's offense is nasty, and I think it's just going to come down to their defense – being able to grind out a full game, um, which hopefully they can do.
top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's already know. I think that's we, how it always goes. Like, like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what about, are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Uh, but another 7 o'clock start down in Georgia. The Philadelphia Wings and the Georgia Swarm get back at it. Second time these two teams have met this season. This time down in Georgia. Obviously, the first matchup went to overtime. Wings pulled it out by the skin of their teeth. Uh, Eric Penny was absolutely insane in that game. So the Wings will have Zach Higgins for this one. Um, this is just another old-school East Division rivalry. And... Georgia's going to look for revenge. The Wings need to get a win to stay in that top third, that top echelon of the East Division. Um, I mean, this past weekend, even though they dropped the one, this is the first time I think all year we've really seen the Wings offense perform at the capacity that I think a lot of people expected them to be at with all those offseason additions with Corey Smalp and McIntosh. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on with, you know, the additions they made to this offense. This was the first time we really saw it happen. And if they can continue to build upon that, I mean, there's barely anybody that's going to be able to touch the wings. If they can score 14, 15, 16 goals a game, like I think a lot of people expected them to be able to do. Like a lot of these low-scoring wings games is not the norm for what I think a lot of people predicted for them during the preseason. Yeah, no, it was, it was exciting to see their offense kind of pop off in that Rochester game. I mean, we've sat here and deliberated countless amounts of time, you know, the bajillion and one people who can come on and make an impact offensively for them. And it's kind of been stagnant at times. So I'm sure you were excited to be in the house and watch that. So uh, won't be surprised to kind of see them continue that, especially after dropping their last game to Rochester. Like, that wasn't one – or, excuse me. To the riptop. Uh, that's not one that – you know, they feel like they should have lost. 100% I feel like you walk into that locker room right after that game or even still now, they feel like they shouldn't have lost that game Sunday, even though they're coming off the back-to-back. So I think that's going to be enough to get them over the hump, even though Georgia's going to come out off of a win. They have Shane Jackson back. He got activated off the COVID list along with everybody we listed off last week that was put on it. They're all back. So that's a big boost for them. And honestly, this is the Wings' second road game of the season. They've barely had any road games. A lot of their road games are in that second half of the year. Um, but, I mean, this is 
this is an important game for the Wings, not only just to go down and win, but in terms of just like prepping for that second half of the year and getting used to being on the road as much as they're going to be. Um, after next week's game, they go on the road a ton. They only have one more home game after their game on February 5th. Or no, they have two more. They have one against Halifax and then that Thursday night game that you'll be here for against the Buffalo Bandits. But I think this is just a big overall just kind of like team type of opportunity for them. And uh, we'll see how all things go down. The last time they were down in Georgia, they came back big after being down. And they won uh, their final game before the NLL shut down for almost two years. So uh, that'll be an exciting matchup. And then we have uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time hopefully at the Nassau Live Center or the Coliseum. Uh, there's a big-time, like, winter storm coming to the, the northeast area, uh, and New York DJ is projected to get anywhere between 2 and 20 inches of snow. Uh, so as long as they don't get blizzarded out, the Buffalo Bandits are heading down to, the, to Long Island to take on the Riptide. Um, I mean, this... This is where the Riptide have to really lock in and try to build upon that win that they had last Sunday against the Wings. Like, obviously, we know Buffalo is very good. You and I have said it time and time again until they give us a reason to. There's no reason to pick against Buffalo. But for the Riptide's sake, they have to learn to pile on wins. This is only the second win that they had on Sunday in franchise history. They have to learn how to win consecutive games. Um, most of their roster is back fully healthy now. So this is going to be a huge test for them as a team to like see how they come out after a win going up against arguably best team in the league. Yeah, and I, you know, you know how I feel about Buffalo. I think they might have the best offense in the league off of pure skill um, when it comes down to it. So... I can't pick against Buffalo this week, but it would be exciting to see New York build off of that. I mean, they have the pieces to go in and make it a game. I think it's going to come down to Stephen Orleman. You know, if he if he if he's going to come out and ball out, then it won't be a problem. But if he if he struggles, then it's going to be a long night. Hundred uh, percent. And then eight o'clock is the next time slot for a game to kick off. And uh, for the first time in what feels like forever, Halifax Thunderbirds are playing in a game. Uh, this time in the States, they head down to Albany to take on the Firewolves. Um, for me, the keys to this matchup is just seeing how Halifax is dealt with not playing consistently. And obviously we saw them win that game against Toronto a couple weeks ago. Uh, but it was, again, very close. And... It's just a continuation of trying to see how Halifax deals with all of, you know, the stipulations they're having to deal with with Nova Scotia's, you know, uh, you know, precedence for COVID and everything and them not being able to play in-game action uh, as much as the rest of the league has been able to. And then for Albany, it's, you know, continuing to see this offense with Ryan Banesh and the rest of those boys out there um, trying to continue to build upon wins, make me look like an absolute fool. Because if they win this game, they match the predicted season total of wins I had for them for the entire season. So, Albany, come give me a double middle finger in my face and, and prove to me that you can go out and win this game. But what are you looking for in this matchup with, with Albany and Halifax? 
Um, I'm excited for one, the face-off matchup between Withers and Nards. Nards has been absolutely phenomenal this year. Uh, he just went – I wouldn't even say go toe-to-toe. He uh, he outmatched Trevor Baptiste last week when Albany and, and the Wings went at it. Um, and he's kind of just been on a tear this year, so I'm excited to see kind of how that goes. And like you said, I kind of want to see how Halifax, you know, plays after not playing for a couple weeks. They are my – you know, that top team right now for me, but realistically, Albany's in a very good spot right now, and they have players playing, you know, with a lot of confidence. Andrew mm. Q is not afraid to shoot right now. Ryan Banesh came into an offense that was perfect for him. Charlie Kitchen's warming up, you know. Um, and then, you know, the defense isn't bad either down on the other side. So, you know, they're a team that's playing for each other and playing hard. So I don't necessarily want to look over them, but Halifax is still the Halifax. Yeah, we'll see how that one plays out for sure. Then we go to the 8.30 time slot. Uh, Panther City taking on Saskatchewan. I believe this is the second time these two have played this season, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double check that, so uh, don't. Don't fact check me on that, anybody listening at home. Um, but we've, we've got a West Division matchup finally for the first time in a couple weeks. Um, Panther City obviously got their first win uh, against the Riptide. And, uh, you know, this is just an old school Wild Wild West matchup where both these teams are one and four. Trying to climb up the standings and, and trying to claw their way back to hopefully get into the playoff discussion but how do you uh how do you view this one with with panther city speed i know saskatchewan has placed some players on the covid restricted list uh most notably from what i saw josh courier probably not going to be available um i'm looking through to see if i'm an absolute buffoon thinking that these two teams have played each other i think but I might be I might be real dumb. I might I be real dumb. I don't think they've played yet. Um I'm all the way back to week one. No, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking Halifax and Saskatchewan played each other. It's the purple throwing me off. Um But you know, first time these two teams have seen each other now. So don't fact check me from earlier, everybody. I know I corrected my mistake. Um <laughs> But it's a it's a West Division matchup, like we said like I said, it's uh it's two teams that need wins desperately, and whoever loses this game, I I hate to say it, but it might be time to pivot the overall outlook on your season and start to figure out what your next move is. Because at 1-5 in the West, when you're in a division with San Diego and Colorado, and honestly Vancouver as well, it's going to be tough to claw back. Yeah, I mean, do you give up on your season? No, you still go out and you play your hardest, but I think you start to pivot, you know, some of the conversations you have. You start to, you know, talk to some of the older guys about retirement. Um, you talk to some of those middle-of-the-pack guys about possibly trading. You know, And even some of the older guys about trades. Like, you want to go win a championship, like, hey, we'll do right by you. Yeah, exactly that as well. Or even, you know, already starting to look at 
draft possibilities for the next couple of years as well. Like, you know, you got to do something to shake it up. One, shake it up, save their job, save your job. <laughs> you know, like there's there's a lot of people at stake here. So you kind of want to, you know, do it right. But also at the same time, you don't just want to chop up the season and, you know, tank or whatever. You know, however you want to put it, you still want to go out and compete. For sure. Uh, but that game is going to be interesting for a lot of reasons, especially if Saskatchewan ends up losing. Uh, I, I want to see the speed, too, though. Yeah. Like, is Are the rush going to try and be the first team to slow them down? Because we haven't really seen a team try. They kind of just go, oh, they want to play fast? Okay, we'll run with them. Mm-hmm. But, like, the rush don't really have the means to run with them. So I'm wondering if they're going to try and slow them down and, and play a little bit of a slower game or if they're going to try and Panther City just won't allow them to and they'll just push that fast speed and play fast anyway. Plus Jeremy Thompson revenge game. Can't wait. Uh, Nine o'clock next time slot for a game. Uh, Vancouver heads to Colorado in another West Division matchup. Whole West Division in action this week. Um this is going to be a very fun matchup. The last time these two teams played, remember it wasn't looking too good for me, DJ? I do. And then it got real good. That was one of the best games of the season. That and the Rochester Wings game this, this past week were two of the most like, just like high-octane, euphoric type of games to watch because of how many goals were scored. Um, but in this game, I'm, I'm just looking for these two offenses to continue rolling. And seeing how the transition game goes with with Reed Bowering versus Joey Capito in transition, um, I think this has the makings for you know potentially being another high scoring game like we saw last time. Will it be uh, an eighteen fifteen final? Probably not, but I think it has the makings of something that could be another back and forth offensive showdown between Vancouver and Colorado. Yeah, I'm still a little bitter about the last time. <laughs> That was, I think that was what cost it for Vancouver, to be honest, <laughs> for me. And, and I was like, oh, man, that's that's something I can't really get over. That's That was, that was heartbreaking. That was, that was literally heartbreaking. And just, probably just because I was talking cash to you. So it's like I, I needed them to come through on that, and they did not. <laughs> that was hilarious. You know, but I, I am excited to see, like you said, these offenses keep going at it. Mitch Jones has been phenomenal. Keegan Ball is going to be back as and well. And you know who got activated onto the active roster this week, which is going to be so much fun for everybody at home and the announcers, Keegan Bell has oh. been activated from the practice player list. So we got Keegan Ball and Keegan Bell uh, to keep an eye on on this Vancouver offense. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see really Mitch Jones. I've pretty much fallen in love with Mitch Jones as a player. Also, happy birthday to the boy, Logan Shuss. Yes, happy birthday, Logan Shuss. He's the greatest been... bachelor of all time. <laughs> bachelor gang, shout out. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then, yeah, the other side is... You know, the boys said Ryan Lee, Joey Caputo, et cetera, et cetera. So offense is going to be the thing. And Dylan Ward. I want to see him not get chased out of cage. Yep. Well, he's not playing San Diego, so that shouldn't happen. <laughs> I mean, he got chased out of cage against Vancouver. Which rightfully so. Like, look how many goals were scored in the first seven minutes. But yes, it's not San Diego, so you don't really have to be on full-blown watch for hashtag pull Ward. 
we'll see. Once you get pulled, you know, playing against the team, I'll always look out for them to pull you again. Can't disrespect the boy. Shout out to Dylan Ward. I do show. love. I, I love Dylan Ward. I do. I do. Uh. You know what I love is this matchup we have in the final time slot, the 10 o'clock time slot. Uh, second time these two teams are definitely playing each other. Uh, it's another Dane Doby revenge game uh, as the Calgary Roughnecks come down to San Diego to play the Seals. First time in a long time we've seen the Calgary Roughnecks play in a game. Um, and, I mean, I'm just excited to see the Seals offense back out there. Um, it's been a while since they've played since they've had a couple bye weeks. And then Calgary, we haven't seen in a long time. They've only played three games this year as well because they've also had some COVID restrictions. Um, So very just excited to see both of these teams back out on the floor, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's been forever and a day since we've seen the West get in competition. San Diego, it's been, I think, two Two or three weeks. Maybe three. Calgary, it feels like a month. I can't tell you the last time they played, honestly. Um, I feel like the last time Calgary played was against San Diego. I It might have been. But the now, bloody Dane Doby game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Filthy. Um, but I am excited now to watch Calgary more than anything. Finding out that Jesse King isn't going to play in PLL this year. Bummed. Um, so, you know, watching Calgary and getting to watch him play. Uh, especially with Zach Courier is going to be even and Curtis Dixon. It's going to be even more fun to watch. Seeing them go toe to toe with that loaded San Diego offense is going to be fun, for sure. Uh, very bummed about Jesse King not playing in the PLL this year because everybody knows he's one of my favorite players. But get to watch him this week. Put the uh, put the caffeine on for that ten o'clock face off. But with that, DJ, it is time for the week. Nine NLL picks of the week powered by our pals over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com now. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. You rack up points on your fan profile, uh, and you can cash them in for some kick-ass prizes on the Pickup Marketplace. So go to playpickup.com now and start playing those headlines. DJ, let's get it started. First game on this on this uh, seven-game slate, the Rochester Nighthawks and the Toronto Rock. I mean, for me, like I said, this game is really going to be a huge swing game for whichever team comes out on top. Uh, Rochester looking to recover after a two-loss weekend. Toronto looking to claw back and and get back to 500 as well. Uh, For me, it all comes down to Toronto has an MVP candidate on their roster right now with Challen Rogers. So for me, I'm going to take the Toronto Rock at home to win this game. It's 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 a tough one for me to go against Rochester after seeing them kind of scrap and and be in it for a lot of uh, last weekend. But I'm going to go with the Toronto Rock because they have the home floor advantage um, and they have Challen Rogers MVP candidate right now. Yeah, I just don't think the Rochester defense has enough to stop their offense. Um, Even if Challen Rogers only scores one goal and has two assists, he's still going to, you know, draw enough attention to where you know, guys like um, Tom Schreiber and, and et cetera are going to be able to come in, have nice scoring opportunities, and be able to find back in that. Let's head down to Georgia. Philadelphia Wings taking on the Georgia Swarm for the second time this season. Lyle versus Kevin Crowley. 
for the points lead is going to be a fun one to watch back and forth. Zach Higgins playing against Georgia for the first time this year since he missed that game with COVID, uh, where Eric Penny stepped in admirably for the Wings. Uh, I think the Wings just have a sour taste in their mouth after that Riptide loss. They want to get back on track. They want to continue to be in that top tier of the East Division table. And uh, the last time they played down in Georgia, they came back and won in very incredible fashion back in 2020. Um, so I'm going to pick the Wings to get back on track, improve to 5-3, and three, and stay atop the, uh, the East Division with Buffalo and Halifax. Yeah, I think um, Georgia, even though coming off a of bye week, um, I think the defense is going to Well, they're coming off a win. They played Rochester. You're right. They did play Rochester that first first game last week, but I I just don't think their their defense is enough personally uh, in this game, especially with like you said with Philadelphia coming off the loss to Rochester on Saturday or the Riptide on Sunday. Rochester and the Wings playing twice in the same weekend is not okay. It's tough. <laughs> um, but yeah, off their loss to to the Riptide on Sunday. I mean, I think they're coming in with a little extra. Piggy playing in this game after not playing the first time is big for him. You know, this is a this is a rivalry for them. And yeah, Piggy loves this game, so to miss the first one was huge for him. So I want to see. A, I'm looking for a big game from Piggy, which will stop the offense and ultimately give the Wings a win. Even though I'm I'm shaky on this one. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun game for sure. I'm gonna just say this now. I might change my pick at some point. <laughs> well, if it's not changed by the end of the picks, it's locked in stone. Uh, so let's move on to the next game, which may or may not happen uh, due to pending weather. But uh, the Buffalo Bandits heading down for an interstate rivalry against the Riptide. Like we said during the breakdown. We have no reason to pick against Buffalo until they give us reason to. So I assume you and I are both going with the Bandits. Yes, I'm going with the Bandits. It hurts my heart to pick against the Riptide, but that Bandits offense is absolutely loaded, and they have the transition and defense to go with it with Vince between the pipes and loaded from top to bottom. Next game, going down in the state of New York as well, which I didn't even think of this, so this game also may be in question due to weather, but uh, the Albany Firewolves hosting the Halifax Thunderbirds, a battle of uh, weather, thunder, and fire uh, in the snow. Who would have thought? Uh, how do you see this one playing out, DJ? It's your number one team in your standings to become a fan of against the Albany Firewolves. This is the one I've been thinking about the most. It's so hard. Like, you look at their comparison, they're pretty much neck and neck. Um, and I'm in one of those situations where it's hard to pick against Halifax because they're good. They've been continuing to be good, and they haven't given me a reason to choose against them, but Albany has been fantastic. And, you know, they're riding good momentum. Joe Nards is playing out of his mind giving possession to the Firewolves over half of the game. I'm going to go Halifax. It's, I think it's something about these bye weeks that kind of 
energize them a little bit and they're they're kind of hungry to get back out there and it, and it makes them play a little harder they're kind of back in that stage where they're grateful to play because games are being taken away i think that's going to be you know something that the canadian teams kind of have over the american teams is when they do step out they're going to play a little harder because they're they're having games taken away while american teams aren't that's, that, yeah. that might end up being being something that factors in eventually. I mean, I'm sure, you know, these games are going to get rescheduled and played again later. But, you know, after you sit for two, three weeks and guys have been playing the whole time, you're, you're a little itchy. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's one of those things that I've been going back and forth on this one as well. Um, and we'd be remiss as well to not send our, our love and condolences to the Halifax Thunderbirds organization uh, as Vera Stiers, mother of team owner and GM Kurt Stiers, passed away earlier this week. Um, so definitely want to send our, our love to Halifax and the entire organization um, and, of course, to Kurt Stiers. I've been going back and forth on this one as we've been recording this episode, and... I, I've made up my mind. I'm going with Halifax as well to win this one. I, uh, you know, Cody Jamison being back is huge for them. Uh, Clark Peterson's been playing phenomenally, and uh, I, you know, you talked about Nards. I think Jake's gonna have a great game. I think he he has a different style that Nards isn't too used to going up against when it comes to the box game. Uh, so I think Jake's going to have a, a really fun matchup as well going into this one at the face-off stripe. So I'm going to go with Halifax as well. I was debating heavily whether I was going to go with Albany or Halifax, but I'm going to pick the Thunderbirds there. Uh, let's get into these West Division games, these late starts. 8.30 p.m. Eastern time at the Sashtel Center. Panther City taking on Saskatchewan. DJ, how do you see the battle of the 1-4 and four teams where we both agree... This is a, a season-defining game at this point in the year. Um, we've talked about it off-pod and uh, on a multitude of times. We don't really understand what's going on with that team up, uh, you know, in the Northwest. The, the Rush have really been struggling this year, having a tough time finding their identity and getting things going in games. I think that continues, and they kind of need to look to, you know, start making changes in another direction because... I don't think they're going to be able to slow down Panther City and they're going to speed this game up and run out of transition and the rush just won't be able to keep up. So is your pick Panther City as well? It is. Man, we are we're on the same page this week because I'm also going Panther City. I, I think the speed is there. I think the, the player, Patrick Dodds, is one of my favorite players to watch right now. Um, you know, Josh Currier being out for Saskatchewan is tough for their offense. And like we both said, we haven't really seen a reason to be in favor of Saskatchewan in these picks this year. Uh, they're one and four, where Panther City is more of like an optimistic, like up and coming one and four. Saskatchewan feels like a dead in the water one and four. Uh, so I'm going with Panther City as well for my pick there. Then we move to nine o'clock out in Colorado at the Ball Arena. The Mammoth hosting the Warriors. Two of my favorite teams not named the Wings. It's tough for me picking in this one. It's like picking your favorite child because um, I love both of these teams very much. But 
Last time these two teams played was a Bonkos matchup. 33 goals scored between the two teams. Vancouver coming in. You know, they were at home for the last one. Colorado going to be at home for this matchup. I think Colorado just has phenomenal home floor advantage. Reed Bowering's playing at a rookie of the year level as well for Vancouver. That matchup of, of Reed versus Joey Capito is going to be very interesting. Zeddy ball game being back for Colorado is huge as well. Just another week back from the COVID list. Um, I'm going to go Colorado in this one and ride with my boys, but Panthers or for Vancouver, it doesn't mean I love you any less. I just think my determining factors is the home floor advantage. Mine is what happened the last time this season played and what happened to me. So I'm not going to uh, put myself back through that turmoil. No disrespect to Vancouver. Um, Mitch Jones, I absolutely still love you. So I will be excited to watch you and the rest of your boys go to war. But I do think Colorado will come out on top. Wow. Are we going to have same picks all weekend? I hope not. Because our last matchup, Calgary Roughnecks heading oh. to San Diego to take on the Seals. We are. <laughs> we are. Uh, so I guess we're on the same team this week. So we're going to be rooting for similar outcomes all weekend, which makes me question if I want to change any of my picks just for a one-game swing. Uh, I know you were questioning whether or not you were going to change your Georgia and Wings pick. Uh is there any cha- last-second changes that you want to make to your picks? I'm going to hang on to that Wings pick. And something makes me feel better about us being completely the same this week. Yeah, I'm going to ride with my picks. I, w- I was thinking about switching up Vancouver and Colorado with my, my two children teams out west. But uh, I'm going to ride with the picks. So to recap... DJ and I have the same picks. Toronto, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Halifax, Panther City, Colorado, and San Diego. And our picks brought to you by our pals over at Pickup. Start building your fan profiles at playpickup.com by playing the hottest headlines in sports. DJ, let's get into some PLL transactions real quick. Just kind of running through these things. A lot of signings have happened since last week. Uh, looking at the transaction wire here, Donnie Moss has been released by Chrome into the player pool. Uh, Matthew Hasek signed by the Water Dogs. Jeff Henrik signed by Chrome. Charlie Kitchen and Reed Bowring both signed by the Water Dogs. Pat Aslanian signed by Chrome. Eric Ruback, who I don't know if that's even a real person, uh, was released by Chrome. Kyle Gallagher was signed by Chrome. Greg Weil placed on the holdout list and will not compete this year for Chrome, which is a big loss, in my opinion, for them. Uh, Jesse King also placed on the holdout list, uh, so we will not see Jesse King in a Chrome uniform this year, which breaks my heart. Uh, Cole Williams signed from the player pool by Chrome. This next one that I'm going to bring up made you and I smile from ear to ear because the boy is back. Clark Peterson signed by Redwoods. Let's fucking go. Nat St. Laurent from the rafters getting the boy back in a Redwoods uniform. I was so happy to see that signing go down. 
Uh, and then the other big announcement today as we record this on Thursday, uh, Charlie Cipriano officially retiring uh, from his lacrosse career after 10 years. So he is retiring as a member of the Water Dogs. Um, so those are the signings that have happened since the last time we've recorded. Obviously, you and I super stoked about Clark Peterson being back in the woods. Yeah, I mean, more talent on that loaded offense already. Now I'm wondering, you know, Woods are in that conversation that Chaos is in every week with their offense. Well, uh, where are we going to sit this week? <laughs> you know, because now there's – you signed Ryan Leback, You got Clark Peterson who play the same position. Jules Ryder and, and Matt who all play the same position. You have Rob. You have – Miles, Joe Walter, Jules, like or not Perk. Jules, uh, Perk, Charlie Bertrand. Three out of those four are the same person. Like, you know, you just got all these like clones of endless possibilities. Player. Yeah, it's like you know, I'm excited to see you know what what type uh, excuse me what type of combinations they put together on the offensive side or who gets traded in this window and. What other things happen? Because Nat is one crazy guy. Absolutely. And uh, I want to bring this up, too, because this was on uh, Inside Lacrosse from the boy Kevin Brown. Um, he wrote about this, like, three, you know, hypothetical trades that he could see happening. One of them, obviously, not really totally possible, I'd say now, because Greg Weil not playing this year. So I don't know if Redwoods would trade for a guy that you don't know is going to play for you. Um, but here are three hypothetical trades from Kevin Brown on Inside Lacrosse. Uh, Chrome, this is number one. Chrome trade Ned Crotty, Greg Weil, a 2022 second-round pick to the Redwoods for Matt Cavanaugh. With Weil being out this year, Ned Crotty being 35, the only thing that intrigues me is the second-round pick in 2022 which would be the ninth pick in the draft, which is essentially like a late first almost for Matt Cavanaugh. But I just don't know with the other like ancillary pieces here that that's enough. Like giving up a, a second round pick for Cav essentially is what this deal is. Like you'd be replacing old midfielder Kyle Harrison. Um, you know, he was what, 38 last year when he was playing with 35-year-old Ned Crotty in a midfield that's kind of loaded in terms of, you know, talent. I just I just didn't understand this trade full-blown outside of the second-round pick being where it's at. So I was not a fan of this one. I mean, I wasn't opposed to it, you know, if it would have gone through before Greg was put on the holdout list. I mean, I feel like, personally, the Woods could use another defender. Um, and then that, that pick can turn into just about anything. You know, we've seen those late draft picks be contributors these first three years. Granted, those, you know, college drafts are pretty stacked. But, you know, we, we're seeing guys pop out in those late draft picks and do things to be very productive for their squads. I mean, it could have been a possible win for the Woods. So I wasn't necessarily opposed. But it wasn't like a blockbuster, I need this because it, definitely helps the woods and kevin also wrote about like the reasoning with cav is putting cav on the left side obviously 
we'd all assume that with the number one pick, Chrome are going to take Chris Gray um, to be in that offense. And then Jordan Wolf, you'd have those three there. But also, you and I are a fan of like the guys that they're running up top right now with Heacock and, and Jackson Murrill, Brendan Cavanaugh. Um, I mean, sure. <laughs> but I, I just don't see the the overarching need for Matt Cavanaugh, per se, on that Chrome offense when they have a lot of guys there that I think are really good and play really well together. Yeah, no, I don't think they need Cavanaugh on that. That offense, that's probably the first thing wrong with this trade. Um, you know, they need they, a goalie. <laughs> Sign Drake Porter. They do need a goalie. Um, and, you know, they could also address uh, the D-mid position before looking at another attack. And their offense was fine, in my yeah. opinion. It was the middle of the field and defensively where they had laps. So I'd look more in that area than anywhere else. 100%. Um, so the next trade was the one that I was most intrigued by and like had me like, huh, I kind of like this one. So this is a three-team trade that uh, Kev kind of, you know, pushes the into like an NBA level type of trade uh, with the three-team trades that happen a lot in the NBA. So Chaos, Water Dogs, and Atlas are involved in this one. So Chaos would receive Joel Tinney from Atlas, which makes sense with Joel being Canadian. Uh, Ethan Walker from the Water Dogs. And the Water Dogs 2022 third round pick. Atlas would receive Ben Reeves from the Water Dogs. And then the Water Dogs, in my opinion, win this trade because they get the one and only Mac O'Keefe, the only American offensive player on that Chaos roster. Um, so... Kev kind of writes about this. He says, with Michael Sowers healthy now, it's unlikely he'll keep coming out of the box like he did in the semifinal in Philadelphia. That means no more two lefties on attack as Ryan Brown regained his status as an elite shooter last season. Kieran McCardle led the dogs in points, but it was Ethan Walker who showcased some real upside at attack in Michael Sowers' absence. Um, it wouldn't be far-fetched if Coach Andy Copeland opted to want to see more of one of them with a healthy Sowers in 2022. But why not get the all-time leading NCAA goal scorer in Mac O'Keefe to form a relationship like he had at Penn State with Grant? Uh, his shooting prowess deserves to be on the field as much as Ryan Brown. And with Sowers feeding them, it could be a lights-out uh, you know, type of situation for opposing defenses. And then Walker is an insanely talented sharpshooter, but can add an element of playmaking as a midfield dodging option above Mac O'Keefe for Andy Towers' left-wing games. Uh, and then Joel Tinney would provide depth as a two-way option, much like Ian McKay, a move that could allow him to play more as, a, as an LSM. Ben Reeves offers a low-risk deal for a coach unafraid to take big swings in Ben Rubior, as neither Reeves nor Tinney got much playing time last year. So, I mean, I think it makes sense across the board for all three of these teams. I just don't know if Andy Towers wants to give up Mac O'Keefe. <laughs> To get in the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get in the Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Yeah, that is probably the biggest thing with this one is how does Andy Towers feel about giving up Mac O'Keefe and the pieces he receives for that. He probably would be excited about the draft pick. I don't know how he's the only one that ends up with the draft pick here. I, I, um, I'm so confused on how he gets two players and a draft pick and everybody else gets one player. I don't know. I, didn't I think the draft pick coming from – well, it's it's almost like the Water Dogs are trading Ethan Walker and that draft pick for Mac O'Keefe. Yeah. And then uh, Atlas send Joel Tinney to Chaos for like kind of like a – almost like roster matching almost, I guess. Like, we and just need to get rid of this roster spot so we can have – For Ben Reeves. Which, the more and more I think about it, Ben Reeves on Atlas would be so much fun. Where is he going to play? Because you'd have Eric Law playing X. Mm -hmm. Then you'd have T, obviously, on the outside like he was this year. And then you have Caraway. And, I mean, T's so versatile that you can kind of almost play him anywhere you want. And that was kind of talked about in the preseason before they drafted him, too. So is that the guy that you moved to run out of the midfield? You could do that. I wouldn't hate seeing Jake Carraway do that either, just to kind of see if he has that versatility. And we've seen Ben Reeves do it, and I think it would make more sense in the Atlas offense to see how Ben Reeves runs out of the midfield than it did for him with the Water Dogs because they're kind of playing a hybrid Canadian-esque midfield. Um, I would really like to see Ben Reeves on Atlas. I think that's like it makes it's Ben Reeves on Atlas is a lot more similar to Ben Reeves on Whip Snakes than it is for him being with the Water Dogs. I could see that. Just so with if, the way the the offenses are set up in terms of personnel, not really even style of play. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's a way for Water Dogs and Atlas or to work out a trade, I would I would like to see it. I'd like to see Ben Reeves uh, potentially in an Atlas uniform. That that was the one trade that made a lot of sense to me across the board. But obviously, the big question is, would Andy Towers be willing to get rid of Mac O'Keefe for all of that to go down? My thought process says absolutely not. Um, the final trade also makes a lot of fun hypotheticals go round and round in your head. The biggest takeaway, which I'll get into, uh, isn't even with the players. <laughs> it's who's involved. It's uh, Whip Snakes trading Mike Chan and Chuck to the Redwoods for Joe Walters and a 2022 third round pick. I mean, you'd have the you want to talk about the bomb squad <laughs> on the Redwoods midfield. To have Perk, Miles Jones, and Channy in your midfield with RP3 at X, that's just stupid to think about. That's like, uh, you know, franchise mode if there was a, a PLL like version of Madden or something or 2K. Like, you're just trying to like assemble the greatest two point shooters of all time in your midfield. The reason it kind of makes sense with Joe Walters is he's a Maryland guy. So, like, you have that Maryland connection there with 
you know, Whip's kind of being one of the few teams left to still kind of be riding with the college ties from the first season of the PLL. The only reason I think this trade doesn't go down is because I don't think the Whipsnakes and Redwoods will ever make another trade with each other. After the Jules trade and how much of a win that was for Nat St. Laurent, I, I don't know if these two teams and how the rivalry has built up since then will ever make a deal with each other. That's like the, the Packers and Vikings making a trade. That's like the Eagles and Cowboys making a trade with each other. Like It's very rare that it happens. And I don't know if Stags would want to trade Channy to the Redwoods and that potentially being the the key to the, the puzzle for Redwoods winning a championship. I don't know if that would necessarily be the key. You know you know how well, you, I feel about it. Well, you know team. what I mean. Like in, in terms of like all the deals that Nat has made over the last three years, going and getting Jules, going and getting Miles, going and getting RP3, you know, trading for Jerry Raganese when Greg got hurt during the season. Like, he's a master at, at pulling off deals and everything like this. To to pull off a trade where you're sending, you know, as Joe Walter's like 35, 36 years old, like an older guy who played in one game last year for Redwoods, and then you're also getting a third-round pick in 2022. Cool. Like, it's a mid-round pick, basically. I just don't know if that's even close to enough return for Stags to be like, yeah, I'll give up our one guy who shoots two-pointers from our midfield to our arch rival and then have to face off against a, a bomb squad 2.0 of Miles Jones, Chaney, and Perk, along with Jules running out of midfield as well, like, I I just don't see that happening happening basically because it's it's Redwoods and Web Snakes and I don't know when the next time these two teams would ever make a trade with each other. I just don't think they have anything to offer each other in all reality. Like I feel like that's too much of a, a one sided trade where Redwoods walk away again as a, a massive winner. Like think back to that Jules trade. Like it was what Jules for Alec Tullet and a draft pick. I think like, tell us not even in the league anymore. I I just and Joe Walters on the on the precipice of retirement in terms of just age, and a third round pick that's an unknown. You, yeah. you don't know who's going to be there in the third round. Like, I I just don't think it's it's enough for a Mike Chan and Chuck, even though he's older. You know, Channing's what thirty one, thirty two. Like, it's not like he's a, a you know super young player but he's still in his prime but yeah i could i see channy getting traded this year after you know the the subtle messages stags was sending to him like that he wanted to see more from yes will it be to redwoods i doubt it but it's a fun thing to think about if you're a redwoods fan to see channy surge and miles <laughs> running out of the midfield launching two pointers from halfway down the field that'd be bonkers <laughs> So those are fun trades. We'll definitely have to get Kevin Brown on this show at some time. Good friend. Uh, does great stuff with Inside Lacrosse. So definitely go check out his stuff uh, and follow him on the Twitter machine. But the final topic we have to talk about, DJ, is the thing taking lacrosse Twitter by storm. And it's this PLL tops card mystery. We need to get Scooby-Doo in this, in this thing and Scooby-Doo this shit, as Dr. Strange once said. Uh, because... 
people are losing their goddamn minds. You and I haven't even gotten our cards yet. They're apparently going to be here on Monday. Uh, so we'll announce when we're going to do our card opening. But apparently the people who ordered cards from the PLL website are getting a lot more of just basic base set cards. Where the people who ordered from Tops are getting loaded packs, weighted packs, heavy packs, if you will, for the trading card community people out there. And getting all these parallels, getting all these, you know, super quote-unquote rare cards. And now they're flooding the eBay market and selling for thousands upon thousands of dollars. I just truly don't understand how all of this happened. There hasn't really been any statements from tops from the pll or anything i am just i'm just dummy confused about it and uh it, it is just all the rage right now on uh on twitter and just seeing how many boxes some people have bought too just blows my mind like how do you have 1500 dollars of disposable income to s spend on pll cards blows my mind but i am uh I'm just at a loss for words with all of this going on because it seems like there's a new update every, like, two hours. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's guy number 358 who got a bunch of boxes and didn't get anything It's like the, the another Spongebob reference. It's like the Pretty Patties episode when everybody's flying. It's like, customer 3,483. <laughs> Literally, because, like, everybody's just like, oh, yeah, me too, me too, me too. It's like... What's going on and why hasn't anyone said anything? That's the thing that's tripping me out about it is no one has said anything. You know, like it's not like they don't know. Somebody mm -hmm. from Tops and someone from PLL knows. Someone from at least both sides knows. I don't even know if the, it's a PLL thing. I think it's more on Tops. Where would, I'm sure it is more on Tops, but at least, the, you know, if I was the PLL, I'd come out and say something already. Like I'd, somebody made a, re to, you know, somebody my hands. I forget who made the reference, but I also thought of, like, in my brain, like, different scenarios where it's like, it's like, you know, putting a golden ticket into something and you're sending all the golden tickets. I think it's from The Office where Michael Scott puts golden tickets in a, a pallet of something and it's, all the tickets are in one pallet. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what seems to be happening now with all these cards is all the big time cards were at the TOPS headquarters and sent out to people who ordered from the TOPS website. And then anybody who TOPS sent cards to the PLL to put on the PLL shop, anyone who ordered from PLL shop, like you and I did, so we'll see what our cards look like, uh, got all kind of like, you know, basic generic cards and, and no type of quote-unquote hit cards. So... We'll see what happens when we get our stuff in. Uh, we were talking about it before the show. We might have to get Michael Harrison on, known uh, lacrosse card connoisseur and, and expert to kind of explain all of this. So we might have him on next week. I'll reach out to him and see uh, if he wants to come on and talk about all this. But very strange situation. And, of course, it, it, it'll this would only happen to lacrosse Twitter. Yeah, I mean, where else is this going to blow up like this? Everybody else is just like, oh, whatever, bro. Like, we don't really care that much. There's more things to complain about. The it's Lions so lost again this week, so let's complain about that. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, so we'll see what our cards look like when we do our opening. Hopefully our 
packs are absolutely loaded, true to roof. Uh, <laughs> and we disprove the theory. But uh, we'll keep everyone up to date and see if Michael Harrison come on and, and talk about all this stuff because he has a lot more knowledge about the uh, trading card community than you and I combined. We're just casuals in this whole thing. Um, but that's all we got for you guys. Be sure to follow us on the social medias at OTB Laxpod on Twitter and Instagram. Follow DJ at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Follow at Underground PHI. Big announcement coming tomorrow, sometime early more or you know late morning, early afternoon that you won't want to miss. Uh, check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. If it's Apple Podcast. Leave a five star rating and review. Let us know how you're feeling about the NLL matchups this week. Uh, you know. If you think DJ should eliminate any more teams heading forward in his state of the fandom, how you feel about this tops mystery, who who needs to be you know put at blame, uh, who needs to be questioned, and uh, anything else that comes to mind. But five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. And also blow up our Spotify ratings with five star ratings on Spotify, and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off your order at checkout. Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka. Get the Surfside Iced Teas at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 206 of the allegedly award-nominated Outside the Box podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For DJ, I'm KB, and until next week, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.